0: I was at Starbucks recently and I bought this water bottle. The Starbucks barista didn't have to explain the product to me. I could feel this product, touch this product, see that it's dishwasher safe. Like the physical attribute of it is what articulated the value of what it is that I was trying to buy. But now imagine if this physical form of this water bottle didn't exist, that barista would have to use their words, their vocabulary, metaphors, analogies to be able to describe the product that I would potentially be buying. And then also like tell me to wait, I don't know, for however long it takes to get the actual result or to create the product. Like when you're selling something intangible, you have to create some tangibility around it, um, especially as you start to raise the price of your program that you being able to more effectively articulate that tangibility is necessary for somebody to make a buying decision.
1: Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Decide, It's Your Turn podcast. Today, my guest is Jerisha Hawk. And if you don't know who she is after today's episode, you 100% will follow her. It was such a great conversation. Jerisha is a marketing sales and business coach. She helps online service providers organically launch and grow their coaching programs through her program called Leverage. Today, we talked all about her upbringing, her confidence, how she shows up, and her passion to help women of color grow and sustain a million-dollar business. It was such a gift to get to talk to her. I had so much fun. We even turned off the video recording, turned off the podcast, and chatted for 20 minutes after. I really dig this woman. Be sure to tag Jerisha and I after you listen to the episode and tell us your takeaways. All right, y'all. I am so excited for today's podcast. I've literally, thank God I asked you because I was about to call you the wrong name. Darisha Hawk is joining me today. You guys, I'm unbelievably excited. I was connected to her through one of my clients who said, you need to have this woman on the podcast uh, when you were speaking in Kathy Heller's mastermind. One of my clients is in that as well. And she said that she is just amazing and brilliant. And so I've been following you for like six months. And I reached out to your team a few months ago, and I'm so excited that you're Here, thank you for being here.
0: Yeah, I'm pumped to be here. I'm always. It's so cool how like we people get connected on these internet streets. So it's always dope to be able to cross paths with more good people. So shout out to your client. Yeah, girl. Excited to be here,
1: Candice. Yeah, she's amazing. And one of the things that you know I had to do, which I when when I went to your website to have you on, or I think I reached out to your team or whatever it was, you sent me this like long form I had to fill out for you to be a guest on the podcast and immediately like I freaking loved you I was like (laughs) hell yes make me jump through some hoops because most people I don't and I don't know if this is like what you were obviously going for but like most people wouldn't take the time to do that
0: no they wouldn't but I mean like I think um one thing that we might even get into in this conversation is just like honoring your capacity at a particular season of life And I've been in a season where like 95% of my capacity has been like only going to my existing paying clients. And like, while I I love doing podcasts, I love talking, like I could talk all day. Like One day I want to have a a TV show or something. I love- And you will, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Like, I love being able to have these conversations, but like during this season, so much of my capacity has gone inward for my existing clients um, or for my existing team as we've been building things. So when I get invited, I, I mean, I have to, I, for the last like three years, I've said no to probably, I don't know, nine out of 10 requests that I get. So the, the form really does help me to like see, okay, what is, is this person actually like going to be producing the podcast? You know, is it an aligned audience? Am I the best person for what they're looking for? Cause I will recommend my clients or my network for opportunities that I can't do. Um, so that's, like, that's the main reason why I do it. because My capacity is just like tight in this season. So it, it allows me to maintain healthy boundaries, but still also be able to find really aligned opportunities as well. Um, and also know what your needs are. Cause if I don't have the capacity or not a good fit, I will definitely, I always plug one of my clients who's always a, a great, um, addition for whatever somebody might be looking for. So that's like the reason why I'm, I'm practicing healthy boundaries and healthy constraints.
1: Okay. I love this you. so much because it's so it's, as you grow and as you scale in life. And obviously, like I'd love for you to kind of tell everyone, like, for those of you who are listening who don't know you, I would love for you to kind of share who you are and what you do. But like, also, this is a big part of it. Because today's topic, you know, obviously, confidence, decision, mindset are all the things that we normally talk about. But for you, in particular, it's, you know, creating this sustainable online business. And if you, uh, I 100% agree with you, boundaries are one of the greatest things ever. And, you know, being able to fulfill your obligations to your clients is so helpful, but also your life. Like, I mean, you've created this like epic, amazing multiple seven figure business, not just to only work all the time to create an amazing life at 32 years old, which is so amazing. Like I've just like looked at your bio and I'm like, you're only 32. Oh my God. You look phenomenal by the way, but thank you. <laughs> so, tell everyone kind of obviously what you do and then we'll kind of go into the whole thing.
0: Yeah. So like this iteration of life that I'm in, uh, I'm an online business coach and I support other industry experts, individuals who have usually like three, five, seven years of background of expertise. um, Individuals who are looking to make a career change. like They want to teach their expertise to other people by way of creating online coaching programs. Um, And really where I think my magic is what what I do really, really well with clients to be able to teach with clients is really helping them understand the distinction between their worth and their value how to more effectively articulate their value and how to properly position and message their offers so they can command three to $10,000 price points um, and how to create marketing content that attracts the sophistication of buyer that you need at that price point. So that has been like the work I've been doing over the last like three years with my program, which is called Leverage. Um, So that's, you know, we teach people how to grow organically through content creation. That's the primary way that we help people with lead generation, Um, We focus on how to lead really permission and consent-based sales conversations to ethically enroll and allow somebody the opportunity to make a conscious decision, not a manipulative choice on how they're making buying decisions with you. And we really, really focus our clients and helping them build business models that focus on client retention and lifetime value versus always having to hunt down the next lead and versus how do we keep clients for two years, three years, and give them a reason to need to come back where we're still adding value. So- That's like the crux of really what I do now um, and leverages the primary program that we support clients in.
1: I love that. And you know, one thing that I've said a thousand times to my clients as well, the ones that I'm working with for the business is, you know, so many people throw spaghetti at the wall and they don't figure out like the one thing that they do really, really well. And I was reading an article that you wrote talking about like do one thing, do it really, really well until you can make that, you know, either those high six figures or that seven figures doing one thing really, really well. How did you figure that out when you came? So you come from an engineering background. How did yeah. this whole thing kind of start? What was that like main decision where you're like, okay, deuces to that and I'm gonna I... do this?
0: Yeah, it was like always life is the thing that really uh catapulted me into making a really courageous choice. Um, so like even Getting into engineering, my 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 grandmother and my aunt were the ones that raised me majority of my childhood and into like high school. Um, and my grandmother at the time, she's 90 now. So I don't know. I think she was like in her early 70s. Is that right? 70 to 80, 80 to 90? You're 20, or that would have been like 20, 20 years. So 20 years ago? I, no, like 10 years ago. So dang, my grandma was like in her late 70s. My grandma's an OG. Dang. <laughs> And my aunt was in her forties. Was that? that yeah, that, that's accurate. So like but my aunt had a um a son. He's my little cousin. My grandmother raised all three of her kids. And then she raised a grandkid from each of her children. And when she was living with my aunt and my little cousin was two at the time, I get a phone call my sophomore year in college saying, hey, like my aunt passed away. Jerisha, you may be the one that's responsible for taking care of this kid because my grandma's in her 70s. Um, like I was really like the next potential parent that could be in line. And that was a really big deciding moment for me. I've always made this decision that, um, from a very, like at the age of like six or seven, I do not want to, and will not struggle financially raising the family. So that's what catapulted me into engineering in the first place. I was an architecture major before. I never thought I was smart enough to be an engineer. I had no desire to be an engineer. I thought engineers were like, I don't know, like, Geeky white dudes who wore really, really thick glasses, who could, you know, glasses so thick you can like see the game for the parking lot. And they were like <laughs> be designing engines. And I'm like, I never want to do that. And I saw how much math was required. Like you take Calc 1, 2, 3, and Diffie Q as prereqs Damn. for an engineering degree. I'm like, there's no way I can do that. But like when my aunt passed away, that was like, okay, Jerusalem, make a decision of, you know, you not today I didn't have to do it, but like the I'm like, I don't know how much longer my grandma has to live. Like you know, she's still living and she's still raising my cousin. He's turning 16 and, um, in a couple of weeks here in October as we're recording this. And she's still the primary person raising him. But that was a defining moment. And then I'm going through engineering school and my senior year of school, my financial aid ran out and I didn't know financial aid could run out um, because I didn't, because my grandmother and aunt raised me, I was considered like an independent student. So I got the maximum amount of financial aid that universities would allow And because I had switched my major, it like delayed my time in college. And then my senior year came around and they're like, hey, like your financial aid is running out. Like you either have to come up with the funds to be able to do this, or you're not gonna be able to graduate. And like all, like the decision to even be an engineer was a really like conscious choice that I had made. And for me to be so close to the finish line, I'm like, there's no way I can't finish. Like I'm one year away. So that was when I started my first like legitimate LLC. I started an online clothing business. It was like a e-commerce boutique, I guess you would say. And I had $2,000 saved up because I used to do auto shows for Chrysler and it paid really well. Um, And like, I was like, I had to figure out a way to make like $15,000 and I can't call home. Like I've I've been financially independent since I left at 17. I was like, what are you going to do? Thought about selling drugs. I'm like, I will not make it in prison. Thought about being a stripper, but I'm like my bodily assets are really like I don't have the rhythm, the finesse, like I just I don't have the like the the physique, I don't have the gymnastic ability for that, like that. So, but th- that I'm like I don't know any way, way else to legally make fifteen thousand dollars. So I'm like started business was a third option, and when I started this online e-commerce business, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was like googling how to start an LLC, how to get an EIN number, how to find wholesale products. And like fast forward a year later, the business was up and running. I had made over $50,000. I had secured a corporate job. Like that was aligned with my career. But like before I graduated, I paid off my tuition. I bought a Ford fusion calf for $9,000 and 36 cents. I'm like, dude, you really want the 36 cents? He made me pay the 36 cents. And I took a trip to Thailand and then I shut the business down. So like, There were like these defining moments and then that's what got me into business and like understanding the online space a little bit. I still didn't really understand this online education world, but I understood like social media and Instagram was the primary way that I sold products for that business. Um, So I I was starting to get a taste of like, fuck! like I made $50,000 in one year playing around on my phone and like Googling how to do this and reading blog articles. So then I get into my career, two and a half years into my career. I mean, I was killing it. I was on like the leadership track as an engineer. Every six months, you rotated jobs. I was, I, I was doing a really great job. I, like upper management was recognizing me, tapping me on the shoulder for special projects. And then I got promoted and I was the head engineer of a $400 million pipeline project. So I'm like 24 or 25 years old. And we go in for my performance review and I'm sitting down with my boss. And he's just giving me all the accolades of like how well I'm doing and like how I'm showing up and all the things. And he's like, you're getting the biggest raise in the department this this year. And it was two point nine percent. And I go back to my desk. I'm like, man, I got the biggest raise out of my department. And I did the math and it was like an extra sixty two dollars on my paycheck. And I was like, fuck, like I, you know, and I and I just started looking at the trajectory. And I also had a mentor at that time. He was a white guy and he was like he just always he really helped me understand just the reality of the environment that I was in. It was the best company that I had ever worked for. I loved the work that I did. But he was he always told me he's like Jerisha, the desires that you have for this world, the change that you want to see like ethically and racially and like financially, just this is not the environment for that type of change to take place. Like you're not you're going to outgrow this place. And when I, when I got that raise, there was a couple of the things that were happening in corporate just around like being a black woman, being one of the only few engineers, like seeing the, the unique barriers that women of color experience with upper mobility opportunities and like these ceilings that they would hit that were kind of unspoken and like the subjectivity that you would, that, that kind of was displayed when it came to getting promotions. Like a lot of it boiled down to just who you knew and whether or not you had a manager that was like. Like whether or not you had a good boss, like that that was like a lot of what your upward mobility opportunities were dependent on, and less about how well am I performing in my job, how well am I at articulating and delivering value. And like that was like the third major decision that got me to where I'm at now. I was like, okay, this is just this is just what it is. If you stay here, it'll probably take another 10, 12, like probably seven to 10 years aggressively of me like understanding the political landscape, understanding how to climb this ladder and getting to a position of authority and power, or you can go start your own. And people started asking me questions. I started recording live videos on Facebook. Um, And then slowly I started, people knew me kind of from my past business. And like somebody asked, Hey, can you like coach me? And then it slowly snowballed into this other world. But like, those were three of the most defining moments of my life that put me in the position to even like explore the path that I've kind of created for myself now.
1: Oh my gosh. There's so much there. But you know, the one thing that I heard you say that I think as a white woman, I never even like, it never even occurred to me that your first two options that you thought of were either selling drugs and stripping. No wonder you want to do this. Like it makes me almost cry. Like on your website, it says your goal is to make a hundred women millionaires. Is that correct? yeah like fuck yes like I am like literally like um like when you said that I was like oh my god that is literally like where you were raised in your environment or whatever the situation was that was like the first two things that you thought of and now you're going to be the person to help a hundred women of color become a millionaire like oh oh my god thank (sighs) you for doing what you're doing like
0: this that's incredible that is truly incredible I mean, like it's, it's kind of looking back, it's like it, um, I don't know, I guess it maybe it, the significance of it doesn't, uh, it just, it's almost like just a, a quick yeah, just like in my head, best. you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think for, regardless of your black, white, blue, purple, male, female, like so much of our circumstances influence what we, the options that we allow ourselves to go after and what we've been exposed to and just what we know is available. And like, when I think about making you know, $20,000, $50,000 fast. I'm like, you know, I, those were the first two options that, like, literally, I'll, I'll never forget the day I was sitting, I was eating a bowl of cold stone uh, when I got the email from my uh, university and I was sitting next to like my boyfriend at the time. And Law and Order was playing in the background on my art van sofa that I had bought the entire display set because I was like, I'm a grown up now and I can actually afford real furniture didn't know how to style. So just let me buy the whole living room set. I wouldn't really advise that, you know, there's other aesthetic, you got to miss, you know, they want to be too matchy, matchy in the house, but I'll never forget that day. And, um, you know, like understanding like the, the, again, exposure, just, it breeds so much of what you will initially think to go after for yourself when it comes to like, where it is that you want to go or what it is that you want to do. Um, and I think that even with social media, now there's a lot of articles coming out of like black women in particular choosing to get off of social media, um, or women of color choosing to get off of social media because of burnout, because of like, I'm creating all this free content. We're not, you know, it's not being monetized. And I think there's like, especially since the pandemic, there's just a lot of women in general talking about being burnt out, shutting their businesses down, like not, you know like choosing the soft life because this other world is too complicated and it's too it's too stressful and um like I don't know I'm really glad that you're actually like your emotions just like kind of reminded me of my why and I've been in a season where I've been like why am I doing this and it's like we need to see more representation of women and women of color who are winning and winning in an ethical way and winning and teaching something in a way that shows that other people can do this without burning themselves out, without sacrifices required. But we don't, I think sometimes we, we cross the line of sacrifice into like sacrificing this deep sense of self in the process of kind of going after what we deem as successful. Um, and like, that's a huge reason why I do what I do. And why I'm, I'm like, I need to commit and still remain doing what I'm doing is like, there's so much money out here to be made. And yes, um, there's so girl. many ways to make it. Yeah. Outside of selling drugs and stripping. Oh my no God. God. So I do say shade on selling drugs unless it's like legal these days, <laughs> but there's so many ways for us to use our skills and to simply design a business model that is lean and efficient and high profit margins so that you can still make great money without, without sacrificing your entire self and identity along the way. Yes. I'm here for it. And I always
1: tell clients too. I'm like, at the end of the day, we're not here as a hobby. Like you have to make money in this. This is not a hobby. Like this is a, like, go do something else if you want it. And if you want it to be a hobby, fine. But I'm, I'm going to say that if you're working with me, chances are it's not yeah. because <laughs> You want it to be a hobby because it's very expensive. Um, okay. So like, it's let's hear about the cash collected, like Yeah, girl. <laughs> like we are here to like impact people's lives, make them confident, make them have the decision, but like Let's kind of talk about that because like, obviously like you're the, you're the best, you're, you're the best at this about creating like, you know, uh, one thing that when I first started following you, you were really leaning into, um, the program promise and you were really leading into your pop method. And so I'd love for you to kind of like tell everyone who's listening, who may be thinking about working with you, like, what are these things and like, how do they help you like make the damn money?
0: Yeah, like I think the program promise is um, something like I feel like is like stapled on or tattooed on my forehead. Like yeah. I run around these streets, and like- You do, promise, you tell, promise, like girl. every time I was
1: listening to some of your videos.
0: Y'all, I am unbelievably grateful at how many
1: of you are resonating with this podcast. I also know that many of you are asking yourself, gosh, what difference in my life and my business would it make to have a coach walking beside me day in and day out to make sure I show up deciding it is my turn? You guys, this is exactly what I do in my coaching practice and I would love to jump on a free discovery call with you to see if you and I would be the perfect fit to make sure you show up every single day confidently in your purpose, making a profit and living a life that you love. Check the show notes to book that call or the link in my Instagram bio. I do also want to talk about this after Is like, you are so damn good about repurposing your content. Like you oh, go yeah. live all the time. Like that is like, I have learned that from you. I'm like, oh God, I've been doing this for like six years and I do not repurpose as much as I should. So thank you for the lesson. <laughs>
0: well, it helps a lot when you're growing organically, but like, um, let me just oh, so
1: buy. I've never spent $1 on an ad. I've been on here for like, <laughs> yeah, never one not never one day, but I show up consist- I, You know, I've never, up until next week um, for five and a half years straight, I've never missed
0: a day of posting on social media. I mean, I, there's something to be said about consistency. Oh. Yeah, And there's something to be said, like I study, Um, it's interesting. I know you say you pro- you're a professional golfer. Yeah. I always, I'm not good at many sports, but I like to study athletes. And it's like, you look at the greats, like the LeBrons, the Kobe's, the Michaels, like the, you know, Tiger Woods. Like, I don't know that much about golf. I have been to a PGA tour once. And like, it's really cool to actually go. Yeah. But like, you don't think about like, these athletes literally are in the gym every day. Like, and they have days of recovery, which is important to like recharge the body and allow the muscles to heal. But like, there is a level of consistently showing up and regardless of whatever that needs, but whatever that is with your nutrition, with your health, with your movement, with your fitness, like with your weightlifting, like whatever, it's every day. It's a light, like it is a lifestyle choice. And I just, I like to take those same principles into business. It's like, you know, part of us building online businesses And the way that I look at running an online business and even going back to you saying like you create content every day or that you're publishing every day is like, if you had a brick and mortar business, you wouldn't just like not come in and open the doors to your business for like a month and and still expect sales to happen. Like you have to be showing up in some way. And just because we're online and virtual and like quote unquote remote doesn't mean that we don't still bear that same responsibility of those, the type of results that we want to get in our business. Like. We'd be pissed off if the local grocery store just decided, you know what, like, today we're just, like, not feeling it. So, like, all the Kroger's, Vons, and Ralph's and Publix in the country is just, we're just not open. Nope, you can't buy milk today. People would riot, like, WTF, like, what, like, you know, and I just, I think about the same way. I've no used that promise. example so many times. With people. Oh, God, you do? We're, we're, we're yes, girl, we're
1: on the same path. I'm like, yes, yes, exactly.
0: Um, so yeah, we just talked on a whole tangent, but program promise. The reason why um I'm such an advocate for having a program promise in the online space is because of a few reasons. One, we're unregulated industry. So like there is no governing body that, um, you know, individuals who get in this space have to kind of uphold themselves to. Um, from an ethical standpoint. And also when you're selling virtually and you're also selling your intellectual property, you have to figure out a way to create some tangibility around what you are selling. Um, Versus like, I was at Starbucks recently and I bought this water bottle. The Starbucks, you know, the barista didn't have to explain the product to me. I could feel this product, touch this product, see that it's dishwasher safe, like the physical attribute of it is what articulated the value of what it is that I was trying to buy. But now imagine if this physical form of this water bottle didn't exist, that barista would have to use their words, their vocabulary, metaphors, analogies to be able to describe the product that I would potentially be buying. And then also like tell me to wait, I don't know, for however long it takes to get the actual result or to create the product. Like when you're selling something intangible, you have to create some tangibility around it. Um, Especially as you start to raise the price of your program, that you being able to more effectively articulate that tangibility is necessary for somebody to make a buying decision. So, when I think about those two factors, a program promise is a tool that we teach and a tool that I use to help myself and help clients more effectively articulate the value and the respect, the expected guarantee or outcome that their program, that's all their intellectual property as coaches, that their program is going to be delivering on. And I think also it allows you to attract more quality clients, um, attract the clients at the price point that you potentially want to be uh, selling your offer for. But it also gives the client the opportunity to consciously make a decision as to whether or not this thing will actually solve the issue that they have. So instead of me just saying, like, you know, we help people build their business, like that's a very weak claim um, for what it is that I do. Cause you're like, you don't know who, you don't know what type of business. You don't know how we help them grow. You don't know what percentage of growth or type of growth that we're helping them with. There's a lot of ambiguity, but like, when I think about my program leverage, it's like, we specifically help coaches, you know, who are booked out private one-on-one transition to group delivery and generate leads using organic marketing to sell a three to $10,000 curriculum based group coaching program. There's a lot of specificity in that. And the goal of that program promise, the goal of that specificity is to make it easier for a consumer to make a decision as to whether or not the vehicle that we teach and the outcome that we guarantee is, in fact, what it is that they actually want. Because there's dozens of ways to build a coaching business. You might desire to actually do lead gen through paid ads. You might desire to do lead gen through cold outreach and pitching. You might desire to do lead gen through public relations or podcast guesting. Like there's so many different ways to do it. So those are the really like the, the real reason why we, I'm an advocate for having a program promise. Um, and also I think the benefits of, of ha- what a program promise will do. And it also just differentiates you from others in the space because a lot of programs don't have promises. They don't have a clearly articulated statement of what the expected outcome will be. Um, and that outcome is based off of the, like what's actually true for the clients that they serve, like more than 70% of my clients earn a full return on investment within the first 90 days of being in our program. So I can speak with a level of conviction and certainty of who this is for and who this is not for, because I can see all this data that tells me, okay, based off of this outcome, these are the attributes that need to be true for a client to get that expected result. And it just it just allows for a more ethical sales process, allows for the consumer to make a more conscious decision of, you know, what problem they have. And is this the right outcome that will solve that problem? And it allow having a program promise allows me to more effectively articulate the intangible, like create some tangibility around this intellectual experience that we can we can offer through our program.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. A question that I always have is like, how much of the mindset do you think comes in to people who are working
0: with you? Massive. It's yeah. it's like this underlying, like really the flip side of what I do, like I definitely could like market myself as like a money mindset coach or something totally. or a business mindset coach. Like every, um, I just choose not to just, um, but like every, every module, every training, every decision that a client has to make Um, One of the most common pieces of feedback that we get from clients is like this process has helped me rediscover who I am and more fully integrate into the identity of who I've always known myself to be because of the mindset work that's required. Like creating a program promise, even in and of itself, requires so much confidence in in publicly claiming something that you are going to hold yourself accountable to standing behind after it comes out of your mouth like that I requires totally
1: agree so I much so, courage totally agree because how many people go huh? I can't say this they have kind of imposter syndrome <laughs> that's what I work on with everyone everyone's like but I can't say that mm-hmm. I'm like yeah, well, that is 100- a hundred girl let me tell you it is a hundred percent the truth like people think that it's just like oh just throw it out there I'm
0: like okay yeah good luck go on with it like if you don't oh, they won't on yeah, exactly. like what ends up happening with clients who are unwilling to do that that the the inner work is that they will end up claiming something that they will like downgrade, discount, and disqualify all of their expertise and claim like the most entry level, like they will avoid making the claim or make like the most elementary form of the claim, knowing that their skill set is 10 times greater than the claim that they're making. And it's a process, like that, it's you know part of the, like we tell our clients that this is like a one to three year journey. And that's just like, that's just what it is because a lot of it is not about, part of it is knowing the strategy, but like a lot of it is, are you willing to actually apply the strategy as it's designed to be executed? And part of that requirement of execution is you publicly claiming and having the confidence and the courage to show up and, and continue to reiterate this stand that you're taking, this claim that you're making. And like, holding yourself and your clients accountable to it, it takes, it is, it is a never ending mental, emotional, spiritual journey um, in context of like this business operational structure that we teach. Like the method is the most one, probably one of the most simple methods I've ever experienced in the online space from the hundreds of thousands of dollars I've spent on coaching. I don't know anybody else teaching it in the simplistic way that I teach, but like, it's, Oh my gosh, it's so much mindset. It's so much. And that's just clarifying a promise. We're not even talking about the pricing. We're not even talking about the boundaries and the constraints around you qualifying your lead. We're not even talking about, hey, we're primary way that we generate leads is through content creation meaning you're going to have to show your face. You're going to have to show your face on social media. What? I'm so confused. And share your perspective, not just dance behind somebody else's video audio, like music audio or whatever. Like it takes a lot of courage. And a lot of that is inner stuff of like all this junk that's been holding you back or causing you to put on a persona or causing you to code switch or causing you to like, pretend to be somebody that you're actually not. And like, I think one of the biggest realizations that a lot of clients get out of it is that they start to actually realize, like, what is their definition of success? And more and more, they start to see, like, maybe have I been chasing somebody else's definition of success? What is my definition of success? What is my perspective? And, like, it's safe for me to be seen and it's safe for me to have an opinion about, like, disrupting the industry in some way based off of what my experience has been and what my skill sets are. It's beautiful when they blossom, but it can be, it can, it is ugly in the, in the murky middles.
1: Yeah. Well, I just, I'm so thankful. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's so important. Like people could like, look at you and like myself included, look at you and be like, oh my gosh, she's so successful. And she's so all well that things which you are, but also too, I believe confidence is the willingness to show up and you show up so consistently as yourself. Like if you go look at, you know, um, your social media, like you are really, I mean, every once in a while you'll do a video side by side with someone doing like a motivational quote or something like that. But 99% of the time it's you and your thoughts and you showing up on video. And I do the exact same thing because at the end of the day, like, yeah, you can dance like a dog and pony show and you can do the reels and things like that. But like, you're giving so much value to your clients and your people know who you are. And that takes a ton of confidence. So like, I would assume one of the reasons why you're so successful is because you're so confident in who you are and showing up and being so authentically yourself and saying the things that you believe to be true, even if they sometimes are controversial or not everyone's saying Mm -hmm. them. So I just commend you for being able to do that. And obviously, hence your success.
0: Yeah, thanks. And like, I think it's, it's, um, like even though like I still get terrified of it, like, I think that that's something I think a lot of people just look at me and say like, oh, Jerisha's just like, this comes easy for her. Um, or like, you know, creating content, like, how do you do this all the time? And I think that when you can, I think sometimes you have to be committed to the reason why you're doing this more than you're committed to like the ego of your experience while you're doing it. And I think, you know, you talk a lot about faith. Like my biggest thing for me is like, it's obedience. It is obedience to whatever the calling is, not to what my comfort zone is. And I think that, I mean, that is the thing that anchors me in every single thing that I do. Like I'm, you know, I'm in a season right now where I'm like, I'm terrified of growing. I never dreamed beyond a million dollars in personal net worth. First it was a million dollars in revenue. Then it was like a million dollars in personal net worth. And like, I accomplished that last year. And like, I didn't, I didn't dream beyond that. Like I, I you know, and and it feels the more that you make, sometimes there's this uh, story that I've been telling myself that I'm rewriting the story that like I have now, I have more to lose. So I've been really, you know, I feel like I've been pussyfooting around this past year because I've been afraid of taking the courageous act and like doing the courageous thing. And God has been showing up and like, you know, I'm like my relationship with him is being called into question of, okay, Dreesha, like you've been developing this intimacy with, with him, like it's time for you to deepen that relationship because there's a level of obedience that I'm being instructed to step into that I feel so ill-equipped to, to do. And I felt similar when I started this. Um there was a book I had read called Rooted mm-hmm. and it got me so grounded, you know, five or six years ago, right around the time when I started this business and made a decision to be like, okay, stop making these choices about whether or not you'll show up or what business model or what price point or whatever operate out of obedience of where you're being instructed in alignment with what your calling is for the season. And I think this particular year, it's like, you know, that that confidence, a lot of my confidence is borrowed through my relationship with Christ. And a lot of that confidence comes from my willingness to be obedient to the call and like the faith and the trust that I have that all I have to do is just be obedient. Everything will work itself out. And it, and it usually nine times out of 10 looks very different than whatever I had imagined. Like, I have plans all day, but then I'm like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. Like it, you know, it might be, it might be a total scrap, but like, it's just my, my confidence comes from my act of obedience and, and knowing the faith of, you know, and remembering every time that God has gotten me through something, having that remembrance, like reminds me of who he is and reminds me of the promises he's made. And it reminds me who I am, who I am in him and who I am through him. When I allow myself to be used So, like, I think that's, like, something I want to make sure is important for me to share about about my consistency or about the level of courage that I display when I'm on camera or, like, the faithfulness and how I show up. Like, my human, my flesh struggles with it daily, like, moment by moment. Like, even this morning, I woke up, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I have no idea who I'm helping in the world. I don't know why I'm still in business. Like, literally, like, this was three hours ago when I was laying in bed. I was like, I don't know. Like I'm questioning a lot in this season. And then like even now coming out on this podcast and having this interview with you right now, you're like, damn, like you're really doing great stuff. It's like, fuck, I need to be reminded of that and reminded of why I'm doing what I'm doing and realizing that none of this stuff is because of me or for me. It's just out of, it just happens to be the, the, the way in which God is choosing to use me. And like, that's really all it boils down to. That's where so much of everything that I do comes from is from that obedience. I totally agree with you. Like if this was,
1: you know, like if it's just for the money or just for the fame or just for whatever, I would have stopped forever ago. Like I literally, it's just like, I'm assuming like you, it's like just so in me that like, it, it I have to do it. There's no other option. It is just 100%. I have to do it. I heard Joyce Meyer, do you know who Joyce Meyer is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard her say one time, because someone asked her a question. So how do you show up in front of like audiences of millions all the time and not be worried? And she said, Oh, if I think about me, I would be scared to death. But I just never think about me. And I think about everyone else. And that has just been something that's like, just like when I did my first live event back in 2018. That was like one of the things that I thought of. I was just like, if it's about me, I'm totally fucked. And this is not going to go well. So like, I just have to think about like, this is 100% not it of me. It's just through me type of situation. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's just like a perfect place to end it. I'm just so grateful that you took the time. And I just really admire you for standing in your calling and what you are here to do in this world, and I just thank you for taking the time to share it with me. And you guys, please, please, please go follow her. Tell everyone where to where to follow you. I know you're mostly on Instagram. That's your one. That's the thing that you say. Pick
0: one, and I totally agree with you. I'm just on and one. <laughs> whenever you commit to one, girl, that's me. That man, but like it, it, it's the, all these platforms There's so many complexities to all these platforms. Like figuring out how to master one can take you three years. Yes, especially with all that. Don't let them start changing the algorithms. Like oh my gosh, it's like you have to like continuously pivot and adjust, um, but that's like where we've been primarily being is on Instagram like I always love to continue the conversation these podcasts can be like a nice little appetizer um, but I love continuing the convo so please tag us of you listening to this podcast over on your Instagram stories I'm at Jerisha Hawk over on Instagram um, and just let us know what your top takeaway was so that's always like my favorite thing to do when people when going to these podcasts let's just continue the convo. Um, and I also have a podcast too. It's called Jerisha said, um, it's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. And by the time that this releases, we are, we like, again, going back to what we talked about earlier capacity, like I had to stop pretty much. I know I knew you stopped. I listened to a couple of them, but you stopped in like July. Yeah. And that was a bonus episodes. We had uploaded, like we stopped regularly posting a year ago because Instagram took off and we just fully married Instagram. Yeah. Um, we're bringing back the the podcast coming back into 2023, like I get DMs every day. of like, girl, this is great. I've listened to all 164 episodes. What's next? I'm like, okay, we're coming. We're coming. Um, So I'm really excited about that. But you can um, tag me on Instagram stories. Just let us know what your top takeaway was. You can also listen to me at Jerisha said, Um, and we're revitalizing my YouTube channel, which has never really existed, but we're going to be having that in tandem with our podcast going into 2023. So excited for more ways for us to go deeper on these
1: talks. yeah girl well thank you so much for being here i really appreciate it you guys please 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 don't forget youtube can decide it is your turn at any moment in time